0: Welcome back to the Inner Calling Podcast. This is your host, Amanda Nafash, and today I am joined by Danielle Giroux, a flight attendant. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. Glad to be here. So I'm really excited to talk to you, Danielle, because I um, have been, I've been like dreaming of traveling my whole life. I mean, I'm only 24, but I have this like this like map of all the places I wanna go since I'm like, like in high school. And so I have always been fascinated by flight attendants, but I never thought that I would be brave enough to actually do it. So now I get to pick your brain, which is like, you know, almost just as good. <laughs> so um, thank you for being here. So I guess my first question is like, just to get a, fr- a time frame. when did you become a flight attendant? Like, when did you start this job?
1: So I became a flight attendant about three, just shy of three years ago, but I've been in the airline industry for about 10.
0: Okay. So can you tell me about that job transition? Like how did you, where did you start?
1: Sure. Um, I started as a gate agent in central Pennsylvania, small station, and it was my favorite job I ever had, ever. Okay. But I needed health insurance and... I was ready for a change so i wanted to go full-time and what other better thing to do besides flight attendant mm-hmm.
0: awesome so um what airline do you fly with and do you have like like locations that you frequently go to or do you just go all over the place
1: wow that's a convoluted question <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so difficult to answer i Oh gosh. I work for American Airlines, but I work for a smaller regional branch of theirs and it's wholly owned and it's called PSA, Pacific Southwest Airlines. Mm -hmm. And it, um, gosh, I can't really answer the scheduling question because in, in the beginning you don't have an option over your schedule. Okay. Pretty much at all. So it's, you pretty much go in and you say, okay, You guys got my five days in a row. Where am I going? What am I doing? Wow. As your years build, and yeah, as your years build and your seniority builds, for example, right now I am sitting in South Bend, Indiana. I don't know if you can see. Oh, wow. It is beautiful, although this is the backside of it. Anyway, and um, I'm here for 36 hours. And I chose this trip. I have enough seniority now that I can choose trips. I chose this trip because I get to do a whole lot of this. Chilling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot they can't see. Just relaxing. And um, I don't have laundry to do because I'm not home taking care of the family. There's no floors to mop. So for me, my job is also my retreat. Mm -hmm. And that's how I treat my job. I, I have to be rewarded and enjoy what I'm doing so
0: yeah wow that's really amazing
1: it. yeah in the beginning it's really difficult to do I don't want to you know give people hopes of oh wow I'm gonna go spend in you know whatever
0: yeah right but I mean that's that's amazing like to think that you can you can kind of create your life that way and you can also then I guess if you're getting to pick trips you can choose places if you've really wanted to see somewhere that you've never you know been able to go you can choose that own. is
1: correct. So for me I just had another it was a 36 hour one in a small town called Peoria, Indiana. and I've always heard that was like little Town America. It's on a river that opens up into a lake and just beautiful fall colors, lots of breweries, lots of great little restaurants to stop and go to. So I went there and I walked 10 miles throughout the day, went to the museum, oh had an amazing day. turned around woke up, worked my flight out, went home. That was it. Wow. That's, that's what I do my job for.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. So um, did you see yourself, like did you think of that as a job for a long time? Or like did you not see yourself doing that until you were kind of in it?
1: Um, I, honestly, I didn't really know. And here's the big draw, for, pull for me, the big draw for me was my uncle was a uh, pilot many, many moons ago. And they got to go all over the world for free. Mm-hmm. That was my absolute drive. I don't get paid a whole heck of a lot of money because I worked for regional people who work for, we call them mainline and mainline is United Delta or American. Mm-hmm. And then you could work for, um, a low cost carrier spirit, JetBlue, Southwest. They are amazing companies to work for and also pay very well. Um, and then there's the regionals that I work for. So it depends on what you're going into it for. And for me, it was for insurance and uh, lifetime benefits. Right. I can't really explain on a, on a quick note on what a uh, how to get lifetime benefits, but I started at 40. So if I work 10 years, oh, is that true? Yeah. If I work 10 years, I get lifetime benefits with American Airlines. Oh, wow. That's a really short amount of dedication time dedicated mm-hmm. to it to have a lifetime benefits and then I can go all over the world and I do that on my off time so yeah I can't complain I love it
0: cool that's super cool um I love hearing these perspectives from people and also thank you for sharing that like little tidbit of information because I know that people listen to this for um inspiration and and just for like logistical reasons choosing jobs is important. And I'm glad that you brought that point up because I do tend to live in like in the like really extremes when I talk on this podcast because I work with people who have like carved out their dream job and like, are like doing amazing things at really young ages. And while they're fantastic and they're, they're doing amazing things. It's also, there's a lot of us who are doing a little bit more realistic things and have to make decisions for whether it be our family or just for ourselves to keep food on the table. And so that's that's amazing. That's really amazing that you, you kind of found that balance between
1: both. Uh, Absolutely. And also let me just say that the airline industry isn't just a flight crew which as flight crew is pilots and flight attendants who travel that's what we call ourselves flight crew right i mean you can work as a lawyer you can work in the banking industry we have a uh, union american airlines has a credit union you can work there's so many different facets that you can do within the industry Mm -hmm. and you can even when i started in harrisburg pennsylvania i only worked about six hours a week And I still got my full benefits, full travel benefits. I get it, my husband gets them, and my children get them up until 24, traveling anywhere we want to go. Wow.
0: And then after
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's the draw for me. And so with the pay which I get, you know, like I said, mine is we get right now I've been in it for three years, $26 an hour. And another thing to explain is when the door closes, that's when my hour starts. When that door opens, the, the aircraft door opens, that's mm-hmm. when my hour ends. So when you're boarding and when you're deplaning, we are not getting paid our hourly rate. Wow. Interesting. So people, Yeah. So people think, oh, well you get 20 cents. That's not bad. And you work 40 hours a week. No, I work 60 hours a month. Mm-hmm. And then we get two, approximately $2 an hour per diem for all the time we're away from our, which we, what we call base. So it's not a whole heck of a lot of money, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a way of life. So Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Okay, that's really cool. So um, you said that you got into the, the field at 40. Um, mm-hmm. did you, what, what did you do before?
1: I was full-time mom, homeschooled my mom, my okay. kids. Homeschooled my mom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Home okay, my kids. awesome. Wow, so that's like a crazy big shift for you.
1: Yeah, but I always knew I was doing it. It was definitely lifetime goals were, was to have flight, time, flight benefits for my lifetime.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Um. So, as far so let's let's talk about like like a fun crazy story now. Um, so am it's twofold I guess I wanted to ask you like I don't want to say the craziest but like the the coolest place you've ever flown to for work and then um I'll 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 hold the next question you answer that one first
1: for actual work yeah my favorite place I've ever flown. I don't know because the regionals fly all into small towns like Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We would go into Bradley, Connecticut, small towns. It's what you make of it. Yeah. You know, but it's like, why would you go there? Well, why wouldn't you? Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: I don't have Rochester, New York is one of my favorites because we stay by the falls. Um, There's upper and lower falls or North and South falls. I forget what they're called. I'm sorry. But and, you know, you just get out, you walk the falls, you go to re- breweries, depending on the time, because there's FAA regulations on when you can have a drink and when you can't, mm-hmm. but um, get out and run, exercise. I don't know, the culture, museums, everything. That's yeah. what you make of it. So I don't have one specific, but I do have ones that I avoid and it's van times. I don't go anywhere where a van time is going to take 45 minutes for me to get there. Okay. No, thank you. <laughs> so it's, just stuff like, it's just stuff like that. So
0: Okay. That makes sense. Um, All right, so then, uh, I guess my this is what I've been most excited to ask you is what's the craziest (laughs) story that you can tell from like being on a plane?
1: Oh wow! (gasps) Well, for my own personal um, experience while working, I don't have anything outlandish. Well, I did have an emergency landing. You want to hear that one? Ooh yeah. Okay, so I had an emergency landing in, um, we were on our way to Bangor from Washington, uh, Regan National, uh, Regan National Airport up to Bangor, Maine. I was flying on an aircraft that held 50 people. So Mm -hmm. we no longer fly that aircraft and I miss it, but um, it was 50 people, we were full, and it was nighttime and we take off, life is good. And then right after you take off, you you usually hear the wheels go up and you hear it. And there's signals that we have all, you know, we hear the wheels go up. That means certain things to us, blah, 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 blah. So we hear the wheels go up. So we thought, or so I thought, because I'm the only on the FAA regulations is there's one flight attendant for every 50 people. So on this particular aircraft, I was the only flight attendant.
0: Okay. Wow.
1: Yeah. So I thought I heard the wheels go up, but I didn't. I get a phone call from the captain. And the captain said, hey, um, we need you to prepare for an amer- emergency landing. Okay, Wow. now they train you for this, but this is the first and I'm by myself and I was only on the job for about four to six months. I don't remember exactly, oh but God. four to six months. Yeah, so I was like, okay, what's the emergency? And he said, we don't know if our landing gear is out or up. Oh okay, God. he said, we know it's out but we don't know if it's locked. So basically we may land and slide in on our belly or we may land and it'd be perfectly fine landing. So we have these regulations where I have to now prepare the entire cabin and teach them how to do their crash positions and oxygen masks and, you know, whatever, all within a whole three seconds. And not really, I had 20 minutes to do this, but anyway, (laughs) um, so we have to read a book and we have to talk to the... Uh, I was going to say the crowd, because pretty much you're, you're entertaining these people, but we had yeah. to talk to a passenger. And I start reading, and you're supposed to say things verbatim. And I'm going, ladies, and yeah. <laughs> so I stopped talking. I took the book, and I put it aside, and I was like, this is going to be authentic. This is going to be what it is. So I mm-hmm. picked up the PA again, and I said, ladies and gentlemen, the captain has informed me that we are going to prepare for an emergency landing. emergency landing is and then I tell them that did not go well (laughs) but I have to tell them right so we had people start hypervent or I had people start hyperventilating and I just I put the microphone down and I went around to all of the passengers and explained everything that was going to be happening it was a small enough aircraft that everybody can hear me I had to get the three people over hyperventilating and we're ready to land we landed Landing gear happened to be locked and out, so it was a regular, <clears throat> excuse me, regular landing. Oh. But we had the emergency, um, the fire. So the passengers really felt intimidated with the, you know, the fire department out and sure. all of this drama going on, and we land normally. <gasps> so when we land, they was like, hey, so does that mean we could take off again? Are you guys going to take us right back to Bangor? They <laughs> are like, no, I'm sorry, we're done for the night. <laughs> yeah. But we landed right back in DC and that was it. But wow. I did learn that my six weeks of training, um, it, it kicked in. It did what it needed to do and the passengers were great and life was fine because it was, you know, uneventful.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I'm glad the story ended that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> <I'm here. laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, and since you brought it up, you said six weeks of training. So um, mm-hmm. I think that would be that would be really cool for our listeners who are potentially interested in the field um what does the training entail
1: oh goodness gracious everything everything I keep talking about federal regulations because that is what we basically are guided by it's Mm -hmm. like our our guide rule is that our our dinger like we're done
0: no I just hit my water bottle
1: sorry about that oh my my (laughs) gosh I'm so sorry I talk too much (laughs) you're good but um Uh, Federal regulations, so there's about a week training of federal regulations, which I don't know if I would have passed had I have not had five years of training already in the industry. It's very intense. It's very detailed. So much like, I mean, I have to know the most minute things. And Mm -hmm. if I don't know it and don't follow through with it, I personally can be fined a federal fine. And PSA is not responsible for that. You know, so I take it very seriously, and our safety people, people get so frustrated. Um, you know, you want me to put my uh, bag under the seat? Well, listen, I vow to get every single person off of this aircraft. And if you get trapped on that bag, that's my life. Yeah. So if you don't care about your life, that's on you. But I care about your life and I care about my life. So, right. but the six weeks of training is intense. They, they treat you like a flight crew, so some days your show time will be 4 o'clock a.m., and sometimes your end time will be 2 o'clock a.m., so you don't know whether you're coming or going, and it's not all airlines pay for their training. Some I said six weeks, but uh, my training was actually three weeks. Uh, Uh, what was it Danielle my training was actually four weeks but when you go mainline it's generally six weeks and then the regionals are usually four weeks
0: okay okay so interesting so it's like it's hands-on is it book stuff or is it all hands-on stuff
1: everything it's hands-on it's um you know you have to get up and and public speak you've you've got to do everything we do um CPR and medical training, but we're not certified in anything, but we're trained okay. in them. So, you know, we are, obviously, we, people think of us as waitresses in the sky. Well, that is the least of our jobs. That's just customer service. Right. Everything else is really safety oriented. So,
0: yeah. Um, so for, for people who, who are, have been interested in getting in the field, who are thinking about maybe doing it, what's something that you would say... A person needs to possess, a quality a person needs to possess in order to really succeed being a flight attendant?
1: Um, I think it is a twofold answer and it's safety and customer service. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which one goes first on that. For me, obviously safety is number one, but you have to acquire great customer service at the same time. Yeah. So it's really hard
0: um Especially today. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. No, and I think like like when we think about um almost every field where you interact with people, you need to have a certain level of people skills, right? Um so I'm sure. actually um I I know I told you a little bit about what inner calling does, but I actually have all my background in education and social work, so I tra- I was trained to be a therapist. Um so the work that I do, it always comes out. Like as much as I don't, I don't bill people's insurance because I'm not providing therapy services. You know, when I'm talking with a high school student and their mom about uh, applying to college and they start fighting, you better believe I'm using my therapy skills when I'm talking to them. You know what I mean? And, um, and when I talked to, talk to people, anybody really who works with the public, you know, I say like, you know, I bet a couple ther- like social work classes wouldn't do you wrong in your job. Like, cause you need to learn how to like deescalate a situation. Like, I'm sure that's like number one on your list. Like what kind of, do they give
1: you any like deescalation training? You know, that's interesting. I think it's something that they look for in their interview process. Yeah. And, um, the interview process is pretty intense and, I think it comes with your years of customer experience as well. And because I was in the airline industry as well, uh, prior to, I'm sorry, I had to have that skill. I was a gate agent. Gate agents, even before um, all this self-entitlement and all this craziness started, people, you know, well, you need to get me there. Well, I'm sorry. The tornado that's coming through town isn't (laughs) going to allow me to get you there. You know, (laughs) want me to dig you a tunnel? Let's go that way. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously, refraining from staying, saying those things and saving those stories for home right. is, is the proper way to handle it. But um, they do teach you de-escalation, but I don't think, if you don't have that skill, I don't think that's something you can teach, Yeah, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I agree think, either. You know, especially as last night, for example, I had an, a fight almost break out on my aircraft. It was totally bizarre. We're deplaning. And this, you know, usually when you're deplaning, front row, second row, just like in church, when you're going for a communion, or if you're Catholic or whatever, when you're exiting, it goes from front row and you just work your way. That's the mm-hmm. way it goes. Well, this guy from the back of the aircraft decides that he's going to get up and run to the front of the aircraft. Oh. It's 1230 at night when we arrived <laughs> in South Bend, Indiana. Nobody's going anywhere but home or to their destination right now. What is the problem so somebody else decided to mm, maybe nudge him slightly just to prove a point point. Uh and he turned around and he was like what the f- are you pushing me for man get off of me and that is where I wouldn't say my de-escalation skills came in yesterday I think my mothering skills came in yeah. I was like whoa the two of you stop it right now enough is enough and then they're yelling at me that he did this and he did that. I'm like, what you guys are men? What is going on? Yeah. Stop this. And that is actually how I re- responded. <laughs> I can't believe these people were acting like this. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a learning lesson for me that. Yeah, that probably wasn't the way to handle it. I was absolutely blown away because it wasn't in flight. It wasn't boarding. It wasn't anything. These people were just being turkeys. Right,
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) We always have something to learn, right? Yeah.
0: So I guess what I'm taking from this is that anyone who's interested in going into being a flight attendant, you need to prepare for social situations that are um, less than desirable. (laughs) And, and work on your patience. You know what?
1: Honestly, it doesn't happen a lot. Okay. I think that, might, that has never happened on my aircraft before. Like I said, I've been in it for almost three years. And at the gate five years before that, that happened twice. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it happens a lot. And my response probably shocked them. So in some way, it may have been the proper response just to refocus them. Right. Like, whoa, whoa. She's acting like my mom. She's kind of mad, you know, instead of, I don't know, instead of take somebody's side or something. So maybe it was the right way to handle it. I don't know, but um, it doesn't happen a lot. It really doesn't. So it's not something to deter someone from going into the industry.
0: Okay, well, that's good. That gives that, that sounds like there's a lot more faith in humanity than I'm hearing from a lot of people lately. So thank you for saying that.
1: A hundred percent. Actually, I just said that yesterday there are so many good people in the world. Let's focus on that. And we see it all the time people helping people the elderly with children and yeah. you know babies are crying people are telling them oh don't worry about the baby mom you relax let the baby be and that is really important when you're on an
0: aircraft absolutely yeah oh well i'm really happy we we just said that because i think that that's a really positive note to end it on um, so um i just want to say thank you again danielle for being on here and sharing your experiences and just giving a little bit of insight into the field of being a flight attendant sure um and for those of you listening um i hope that you took some some something interesting from this and that you uh maybe maybe have some more insight into a field that you've been pondering and um we will speak to you next time next month on the inner calling podcast bye
1: thank you amanda